We drank so much, the man got pancreatitis. Welcome back to the Balls, Buckets, and Bull podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Joey Morales, bringing back Derek Neeson. How you feeling, man? Hey, man. I'm shaking, guys. All right. And making his debut, Ben Warren. Hey, How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. About you one beer. Fly, uh, you didn't fly too close to the sun meeting Jason Garrett? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's actually funny. Like I, I met a lot of Cowboys players kind of randomly. I was at the game on Sunday. And like afterwards, like uh, just one of my mom's friends uh, was like, hey, Jerry Jones is celebrating um, because we won. So come on down to this like little club area. And there was tons of Cowboys. Uh, Jason Witten was there. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Anthony, or not Anthony Spencer, uh, uh, Orlando Skandrick, Jalen Smith, tons of guys. Um, and I was like pretty drunk at the time. So I was just like saying some stupid shit to him. <laughs> I went up to Jason Witten. I was like, hey, Witt, um, has anyone ever told oh, nice. you nice. that you're a big old balding Jordan Spieth? <laughs> and he's like, I get it all the time. Oh, God, really? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I, it was just like, it was really cool, man. Uh, we're going to talk college football, basketball, some uh, NFL, and then uh, some players huffing sm- uh, salt. So it should be a fun one. Let's get right into it. We're going to talk college football. The Big Ten is just in absolute shambles. Um, Ohio State loses to Iowa 24 to 55, drops to 10th. Penn State loses to Michigan State, drops to 16th in the AP rankings. I mean, what do you guys think about – I mean, is anybody from the Big Ten even going to make the college uh, playoff at this point? Uh, I mean, I think, man, they just got freaking smoked. Uh, Ohio State, uh, definitely out of it at this point. And uh, honestly, their uh, playoff chances for the Big Ten is pretty much on life support. You have to hope that Wisconsin's going to win out uh, and win the whole Big Ten. I don't see the committee uh, keeping them out of the top four. If they do win out, I don't see it happening, though. So, yeah, not looking good for the Big Ten right now. I feel like it's it's a classic, almost Big 12 situation where – the teams just cannibalize each other to the point where everyone's going to miss out. You know, it's like you have Iowa beating teams. You have Penn State getting upset by Ohio State, who, you know, then goes on to lose. It's like uh, no one can really come out on top when they're all beating each other. And the Big 12's had that problem forever. Yeah, the, I mean, the Big 12 currently, it's just TCU uh, and Oklahoma and Iowa State have all kind of like cannibalized each other. On the Like you were saying, and like there's just no one no – one, I mean, Oklahoma, maybe if they can beat TCU, but either way, it's not looking uh, too good. So right now, the current uh, college football playoff top 10, you got Alabama one or no, no, no. Georgia one, right? I think Alabama's one. Okay. And then Georgia two, Notre Dame three, uh, Clemson four. Any uh, any qualms with that, guys, for the current uh, top four? Well, I think I think OU is probably the better team than Clemson. But as of, as of right now, you know, I'm, I'm OK with this top four. Uh, we'll. We'll have to see how this uh, this goes down with Oklahoma and TCU and see if yeah. uh, some more Titans fall. But Notre Dame playing Miami uh, this weekend, that could be interesting. Uh, one of those are going to fall. But as of right now, I'm okay. Yeah, I think, I think Notre Dame is usually overrated, but I think this year they might actually be worthy of their spot. Interesting. All right, yeah, so sorry. I just always get the freaking AP people in the college uh, 
official rankings. So right now Georgia is one over Alabama in the um, the official like playoff ranking. So mm-hmm. okay, and then yeah, just to round it out, Oklahoma at five, TCU at six, Miami seven, eight, Wisconsin nine, Washington ten, Auburn. Like you guys are saying, Oklahoma and TCU play each other this weekend, I believe. So that one of those is going to go. I don't, I don't see Miami uh, winning out. I see them getting another loss. Same thing with Wisconsin. So top four is probably pretty much there. Um, sure, I you know like you're saying, Ben, maybe Notre Dame, maybe not. Uh, but they they've always had like a, a kind of like a weak schedule problem. So we'll see. Let's get into let's switch up into some basketball. First thing we want to talk about today is the Suns trade Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks for Greg Monroe and a per, uh, protected 2018 first round pick. The Bucks right now are sitting at four and five with Giannis and Chris Middleton. I think it'll be a good offense to go along with a long wingspan of a defense. So, I mean, their their defense like they have some lengthy guys. You got Giannis seven foot three wingspan, Jabari Parker six foot eleven, Chris Middleton six ten, Rogdon six ten, Bledsoe six eight. So. These guys should be able to uh, cover the floor very easily and get back on in transition or get back in transition and get back on switches. So I think I think they have a chance to have a really good defense. But you know this trade probably doesn't move them past the Cavaliers. Obviously, probably doesn't move them past um, the Wizards, even though John Wall is an injured shoulder. But I think, you know, go I ahead, think, Ben. I think I'm worried if I'm a Cavs fan right now. You know, like before really? before it's like we're gonna beat anybody who we play in the playoffs coming out of the East. But, you know, with Giannis coming up, you know, having probably another improved season with the addition of Bledsoe, now you're kind of worried in the in those slow starts of the Cavs. Don't you think eh, it's possible that this Bucks team could improve enough to knock them out down at the end of the road? Uh, I mean, the thing is, the Cavs, you know, there's clearly some kind of chemistry issues. I don't know whether it's that or they're just lazy and they know that they're eventually going to get um, to the Eastern Finals. Uh, but I mean, one team that is definitely some something to talk about right now is Celtics in at nine and two, you know, Kyrie going on his own. I think after uh, the Gordon Hayward injury, you didn't think this would come out of the Celtics here, but Kyrie's coming up, stepping up defensively, averaging two point two and a half steals a game, and also averaging twenty two points on top. So somehow they're, they're finding a way to win with the be- tie for the best record in the East, maybe even the best record in the East. Um, they're pretty surprising, and Beal stepping up for the Wizards when Wall's out. Uh, you know, I, I I would say Cavs are still looking pretty good to get in the Eastern Conference Finals at least, but some teams are really stepping up here in this Bucks acquisition, kind of um, may, may make it a little scarier as well. Yeah, so that kind of leads leads into our next topic. Uh, we basically all wanted to bring a team to the table that we thought has been uh, surprising so far. So um, Derek mentioned his, I believe, the Celtics. They've held on pretty well without Hayward. They've won nine in a row. You know, I thought that Hayward injury would just cripple them emotionally, but they've really stepped up, which is a testament, to, I think, to Brad Stevens. You know, Kyrie right now is just bawling. Dropped 35 in the Hawks put up 25 against OKC. And if you watch that game down the stretch, he was able to get whatever uh, basket he want and he could just score at will, which was very impressive. So Ben, what, uh, what's your surprising team so far? You know, I'm going to go with uh, kind of a Homer pick here, but I promise I won't do this for football. And I'm going to say the one in 10 Mavericks. Uh, I was actually pretty excited for this season. Uh, we just got Dennis Smith Jr. One more season of Dirk. You know, Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews, Nerlens Noel in a prove-it season. Uh, I really thought we were going to see a better team than what, what they've put out on the floor so far. Uh, Nerlens has not looked that great. I think he's really going to regret not taking the big contract he was offered 
Um, our defense has been really poor. Dirk is, you know, he's a legend, but with with him out there on the, there on the floor, we don't really have much rim protection, and you know, we can't really start him and Nerlens at the same time. Even um, Dennis Smith Jr. has been the one bright spot, but I'm pretty shocked that that we're scraping the bottom of the barrel in the in the NBA right now. Yeah, I definitely did not see the. I mean, yeah, they're literally last right now in standings, and the one team like that it just blows my mind that they're behind is the the Kings. Um, you know, it's it was fair to like you know like oh it's just early in the season, but we're already eleven games in. Um, you know, it's which is not nothing. So yeah. the team that I wanted to bring to the table that's kind of surprised me is the Magic. I think Aaron Gordon is starting to step up in a big way. He's really uh you know that we saw him in the dunk contest and we see how explosive and athletic he is, but. I mean, just to see him, you know, pump fake a jumper and then dribble the ball and just get to the basket so quickly is really impressive. That team right now is sitting at a six and four. I think they're fourth or third in the, the East. They've they beat a good Spurs team um, at home. Uh, they have a, a couple other good wins as well. So that team has really impressed me. Uh, I'll be excited to see if they can keep it up and um, maintain it throughout the season. But Derek, did you want to take any uh, bit more about the Celtics, uh, your surprising team? No, I mean, I think I, I think I covered it right there. Uh, one thing, I guess I'll just uh, move on to another thing here is uh, we were going to talk about those injury concerns. And what's interesting here is some of the bigger inter- uh, injuries we have had so far in, early on in the season. You know, Spurs are sitting at six and four, Wizards five and four, Rockets eight and three, and Celtics at nine and two. Um, a little scary when, uh, well, maybe not for the uh, Celtics and Hayward, but the other teams, you know, they're missing some of their bigger players and still getting wins. So um, pretty excited to see, you know, once once these bigger stars get healthy, how those teams end up doing. Yeah, the Kawhi injury is getting more and more concerning the longer he's sitting out. You know, that I, I talked about it uh, before. That one, it's just weird how it popped up. It didn't seem like it was an issue at the end of the season. It didn't seem like it was an issue at all in the offseason. Came up in the preseason that he was going to miss the whole thing. Very surprising. Definitely something to, make, uh, to watch. But, uh, yeah, the Spurs, you know, they start with a good start, 4-0. Lost of a, I think they lost four straight after that in the in the road stretch. But I think what's they the, should be able to – what's up? What's the current projection on Kawhi coming back? I think it was uh, mid-November. So we'll see if that actually uh, is true. Knowing Pop, it'll probably be a little later. But we'll see. Um, so next thing I wanted to talk about, man, these some, some of these uh, – some of these stars are balling. LeBron dropped uh, 50, but the Cavs like still have no defense. So, uh, man, like D. Wade's calling out starters, saying that they're not getting off to a good start. I mean, that one game where LeBron dropped all those points was great, but it's like they just cannot play defense at all, and they just keep getting off to these rough starts, and that's why they're they just haven't been they haven't been uh, playing consistently. I mean, they're currently third to last in the East at four four and six, so. We'll see how they can do, but uh, also another star, Harden, dropped 56. You know, just in terms of the play on the MVP update, I mean, you got to think LeBron made big statements. Harden is still there, especially with the Chris Paul still out. But uh, what do you guys think about uh, these guys' performances as of late? Um, Man, Harden, Harden, Harden's performance 56 and 13 against a team that is totally uh, known for their defense uh, is – is amazing it was amazing to watch i don't think i've ever seen offensive efficiency quite that good i think they compared it to like two of steph curry's best games so really exciting there that he's stepping up um and then lebron you know he, he was gonna lebron that was that was pretty insane right there it's just i mean how long can lebron just kind of backpack the team like that uh they need to get it together but it's Cavs is one of those teams man i just don't think that 
I'm not going to bet them out of uh, Eastern Conference Finals at least. And you know, until it seems out of reach. I don't think that the Cavs are one of those teams. I think LeBron is one of those players. I mean, look at how much the roster has changed. Like constant turnover. Uh, I think LeBron will always take his team to the playoffs and will always succeed in the playoffs because he's just that good. You know, he's got to be one of the. I I honestly think he's the best basketball player to ever live. Not the greatest, but just in terms of pure talent. I mean, yep. I think he should be the MVP really every season. You know, there's more excitement if you look at the hottest stats every season. But the other team that's been struggling is the Thunder. I mean, they are like I just talked about with Kyrie putting up 25 on them and scoring whatever that will. They're sitting at four and five. They just really haven't seemed to click and play consistently. They were up on the the Celtics like 19 or something in that game, and they, could, they let them come all the way back. It's it's you know it's it's how like every year we're gonna see these teams that make big uh, roster moves struggle to. Uh, find some cohesiveness together in the beginning of the season, but I think they'll pull it around, but still something to monitor. Anything else? So you guys want to talk about NBA wise before we uh, switch on over to the pigskin? I'm just saying rockets eight and three tower the Warriors in the West, you know, nobody, nobody believed it, but you know, we coming. Hey, it's a long yeah. season. It's a long Houston, season. Houston sports are uh, something else right now. All right. So let's get into the NFL speaking of Houston sports, Deshaun Watson injury, that team was looking so good. Uh, very just disappointing to see. I mean, you hate for a guy who is uh, arguably an MVP candidate, um, just, uh, you know, tears his ACL in practice. It was, uh, it wasn't even like a, a big impact play. He just was running and it happened in midair. So um, the team already looks pretty awful with Tom Savage playing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's just not a good quarterback, so I don't see this team being able to survive this injury. But, man, he was looking good, and it's sad to see. I mean, you, you, you have to think that they blow out the Colts with Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, anyone, anyone besides Aaron Rodgers maybe going down, I don't think would have had a big of impact on their team as Deshaun Watson going down. Uh, he was just phenomenal. He was, he was like, putting his team in – into an explosive offensive situation every game, uh, whereas they were miserable on offense. And you know what? I think I have actually two uh, observations about Deshaun Watson. The first is that the Texans were actually exciting to watch this season for the first time uh, on offense since I can ever remember. Like a focal point that wasn't J.J. Watt or their defense. I can't remember a time that the Houston Texans have ever been an exciting team to watch on offense and the second is just a kind of funny anecdote so I, I i saw this picture that was this series of tweets that was on wednesday last wednesday so before game seven of the world series and it was like somebody tweeted like like what would you do uh for the astros to win game seven and somebody was like would you give up Deshaun watson and then another person <laughs> replied oh in a heartbeat definitely oh no no <laughs> so, no no little sports karma there spoke too soon yeah yeah seriously. it's definitely unfortunate uh as as our resident houstonian derek how do you feel about it well you know houston didn't even get 24 hours to celebrate the great astros world series win before deshaun goes down on a non-contact acl tear i mean you can't make this crap up. Sports are really cruel sometimes. Uh, I mean, talking about the Texans versus the Colts, yeah, they would have totally blown them out because Savage is an abysmal 19 for 44 with a 15 QBR. <laughs> and we almost won at the end. 
So, I mean, holy crap. Can you imagine if Deshaun was in? Sad. I mean, Col- Colts, I mean, Colts suck. Everybody knows that. But, oh, my God, I was listening to that game on the radio. I couldn't even listen on the dang radio. Okay, like that's how bad it was. So Jesus Christ, Derek, how old are you? Listening to games on the radio? <laughs> hey, I drive a lot for work, dude. Don't hate. All right, so let's get into uh, – we're about halfway, a little over halfway up through the season. Let's make some playoff predictions. So we'll start off with the NFC. I got the division winners um, as the Eagles. No surprise there. Best team in the NFL right now playing great. Carson Wentz is – looking like the MVP for sure after the Chiefs have fallen off and Alex Smith just looks like a dud. Then I got the Vikings. I think that their defense has been phenomenal, even with uh, Sam Bradford probably going to IR, Case Keenum. plays okay, and I think uh, their defense will be able to uh, carry them uh, through Detroit and Green Bay and uh, lock up that division title. For the NFC South, I got New Orleans. We're gonna talk. I'll talk about them later, but they are just playing great. Uh, running, running, running the ball well, playing a defense. Then uh, for the NFC West, I got Seattle Seahawks. Even though they uh, kind of just lost a bad game at home to Washington in a game that like Washington had no one on the offensive line, shouldn't have been anywhere near close in that game. I still think that the Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson will uh, come together when that when that. I mean, it's not like the or the it's not like the Forty ers or the Cardinals are going to make any noise. Maybe the Rams, but. Uh, I see the Rams more as a wild card as my fifth spot. And then right now, uh, it's kind of a toss-up for me between Carolina and uh, the Cowboys. I would I would tend to lean to, towards Carolina just because the Cowboys have Zeke issues. They got still have to play. Um, they still have to play the Eagles twice. So that's my six uh, teams for the NFC. Ben, what are your six teams? Well, uh, I have pretty similar teams. I have the Eagles winning the NFC East. Um, although I'll, I'll talk more about them in a second, but you're absolutely right. Um, and I actually asked Jason Garrett what he thought about Carson Wentz because I'm dumb. I should have asked him about a Cowboys oh player. Oh my God, this is amazing. Should, okay, I okay. know, I should have asked him about a Cowboys player. And you know what he said? He's what? like, yeah, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Jason Garrett hot take on Carson Wentz. Um, he's probably like, this guy's drunk out of his mind. Right, right like the that. Cowboys just played a great game against the Chiefs and I'm asking about Carson Wentz. I don't know, dude. Uh, then the Vikings, I think, are, are taking uh, the NFC North. I just think they have too big of a lead uh, right now. Aaron Rodgers is out. The Lions look kind of listless. I mean, they beat the uh, the, the Packers. but and, and Teddy Bridgewater is supposed to be potentially coming back. And if he comes back, that could be interesting. Saints, obviously, killing it. And I picked the Rams to, end, to win the NFC West because I think they're just playing some dominant football right now. Jared Goff is, is looking pretty good. Their defense is looking outstanding, and they just move the ball well. Uh, for my wild card picks, I have the Cowboys. Uh, I think that with or without Zeke, the Cowboys have a formula for a repeatable, sustainable offense that is just pretty devastating. And they can put you in some looks with the weapons they have and with Dak's ball control that I think they can put up 28-plus points on anyone. And so I think my really hot take is I think we're going to beat the Eagles twice this season. Um, But my cautious, I'm putting them wild card here. And then Seahawks, like you said, really good. I just think the Rams are going to win the division. All good points. All good points. Dirty Derek, what are your six? Uh, Super similar to you guys. I think Eagles are playing some pretty dominant football, so they're going to win NFC East, NFC North, uh, Vikings. No one seems to be very threatening in that division. Uh, Saints are probably going to pull that one out. And NFC South, they're playing really good football right now. 
Uh, and NFC West, I'll probably take the Rams just because, yeah, they're looking great. Sean, Sean McVay really turned around this team. Uh, and wild card would probably end up being the Panthers. I mean, it just, just depends on Cam Newton and, you know, his inconsistency. Uh, and the and the Seahawks, you know, they picked up Dwayne Brown, giving some much needed protection for uh, Russell Wilson, as well as having Dwight Freeney play a couple downs on defense, kind of providing that little um, extra pressure on the defensive end. So, uh, yeah, I like that. And honestly, if you want some surprise for the NFC, I think Seahawks are going to go further than what people think uh, here. Just I think they're, they're they're looking better. Yeah, they lost the Redskins this past weekend, but it's not like the Redskins are that bad of a team. I'm not too concerned. I think they're going to turn around and maybe get to the NFC Championship. Very cool. All right, guys, so let's talk about AFC. Right now i got New England, obviously. Jets aren't going anywhere. Bills, I mean, you can tell. The, the Bills had a good record, but they were leading the league in turnovers, just getting pretty lucky, so I don't see them being able to uh, finish out the division. I see New England winning it. No shocker there. For, I see Pittsburgh winning it. Uh, I think that they're, the, the Bengals just look shot with I mean, AJ Green's out here putting guys in chokeholds. Uh, this team just does not look good. They lost to they lost to the Jaguars, and I just think they're kind of imploding. The Ravens, Joe Flacco, Wacko for Flacco isn't doing anything. So I see the Steelers. They got a good high power offense. Their defense is playing great. Then for the AFC South, I got the Titans winning it. Uh, obviously, this is, comes off of the Deshaun uh, Watson injury. Uh, originally had the Texans here, but you know the Colts obviously are terrible. I could see the Jags being able to, but I'm sorry, I'm just not going to pick Blake Bortles over um, Marcus Mariota. I don't care how good his defense is. Then I got the Kansas City uh, winning the AFC West. Just really see them being able to beat um, the the Chargers and the Broncos out the rest of the way. The Broncos look awful. Brock Osweiler, the fighting Osweilers are not uh, doing great. They got blown out by the Eagles. Uh, defense even looked bad too. I think that team's starting to give up. Then let's see for the wild cards. I got the Bills and the Jags. Really, there's not that many outside of like the division winners. There's not that many good teams in the AFC with good records. So. Uh, I kind of slotted the Jags in there just because they're like the last one that even has like a, a decent, uh, you know, a record worth mentioning, and they do have a decent defense. So, uh, Derek, what do you got? What do you have for the AFC? Uh, let me preface this: in the AFC, there's only two, maybe three teams that are even worth talking about here. Uh, I mean, look how bad the AFC looks without Brady and Ben Roethlisberger playing this past weekend. I mean, it was unbearable. So many games. I mean, it's obvious the Patriots and Steelers are probably going to end up um in that championship i mean you could argue the chiefs but they've lost three or four um and in the afc south uh i just don't have any confidence in any of these teams anymore uh titans defense is just pretty bad and i mean i want jacksville to look too good because i mean the franchise has been so bad for so long but yeah Bortles. i mean you can't can't put your money on him for to have to have any playoff success yeah so i actually differ from you guys a little bit here and first of all i i should mention that I don't think the Panthers are for real. I, I didn't mention that in my NFC predictions. Uh, I just don't – I it doesn't seem like they're really convincingly winning and not looking like the team they were in the 15-1 and season. Uh, as far as the AFC goes, the Patriots, of course, um, you, you can't bet against them. Uh, the Steelers, I think, are the, the front runners for that division uh, and have enough of a lead and enough talent to, to easily capture it. Uh, I think the Jaguars are going to win their division, uh, the AFC South, because I think that the Titans are not for real, which is why I mentioned the Panthers. I don't think that the Titans are nearly good enough offensively or defensively, even though they play in a weak division. 
um, because I think the Jaguars are actually for real. I think even though they don't, that Blake Bortles is their quarterback, Leonard Fournette has looked really good. I think he's improved their offense, and their defense is just playing so well that I think it'll carry them to a pretty comfortable division win. Um, as far as the AFC West goes, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to take that for the reasons you guys mentioned. I don't think the Chargers are that bad, but they're too far behind. And the Raiders look like they're having some real problems this year. As far as the wild card, I'm going to go Bills because I think they're pretty interesting. And I think that Kelvin Benjamin uh, coming over there, is that correct? Was it Kelvin yep. Benjamin? Yep. yep. Uh, is going to strengthen their wide receiving core, uh, give Tyrod Taylor some more targets. And here's my other hot take. Wild card number two slot, Baltimore Ravens. I was looking at their schedule and I was looking at the Titans schedule because this is really who I was considering for it. Um excluding the Raiders, I guess, because I I just think that they have problems. But they have pretty similar schedules. You know, I was thinking the Titans, oh, yeah, they play the Colts again. They play, you know, um, the 49ers, and they play the Bengals. But, you know, what? so do the Ravens. The Ravens play a lot of bad teams in this run-up. And the Ravens actually have a better offense, like, on points per game and a better defense than the Titans. So... I think it could be interesting. And I think even though they're four and five now, they might be able to sneak into that second wildcard spot. All fair points. Definitely good points. Uh, So like we did with the NBA, let's bring up a surprising team from the NFL. I'll go first. So mine is the Saints. Um, I could obviously talk about the Rams. They're probably like the go-to if I were to do this, but I'm going to talk about the Saints. I did not see this defense being able to play, play this well. And I didn't see them being able to run the ball like they have been. Right now they're sitting atop the NFC North at six and or NFC South, excuse me, at six and two. Marshawn Lattimore, he might be the greatest, the best quarter cornerback playing right now. Um, he is rated as such by PFF, probably the defensive rookie of the year, top five already in the league at least. Um, Marcus Williams is playing well at safety. Mark Ingram has run the ball well, even when it, when they uh, when he struggled with fumbles. Alvin Kamara has come in as a relief and played really well as, uh, in the passing game. Also, this team has really surprised me. I just didn't think that I think they would be. I thought they would be a classic Saints team, one that usually just uh, focuses on throwing the ball, scoring a lot of points, and not playing much defense. But they've definitely turned it around. So, uh, Derek, what's uh, your surprising team from the NFL? I mean, this is kind of a just a no-brainer pick here but did anybody think the eagles would actually start eight and one uh i mean so they've got to be my surprise pick uh wentz is playing uh great defense is looking great and uh doug peterson definitely a candidate for uh head coach of the year uh i mean i can't pick pick against this team i mean the past uh two times uh that they went eight and one i think the past like two decades they made the super bowl so a pretty good pick there and extremely surprising so the saints had a really good draft class huh joey I think that really helped Alvin Kamara. And, uh, yeah, they they drafted really well. Yeah, definitely. But so so I was I was going through the NFL teams and I was like, which one is? I was just trying to see which ones were surprising. And I really think that this season there are more surprising teams than unsurprising teams. This has been a pretty crazy NFL season. Um, but I think the one that just shocks me the most, um, actually, they played last week. The Rams and the Giants, dude. The yeah. Giants have been a dumpster fire. Like, it is crazy. I know they got three injured receivers, but they're, they have the 31st-ranked defense. They have the highest drop rate in the league. Everyone on that team just looks bad, except for Evan Ingram, um, who I recently traded to Siva for uh, Travis Kelsey in the Listener League. Uh, get ready for the playoffs. 
I would, you know, now that you bring that up, that is such a good point. I mean, just those two teams right alone, the Rams have outperformed everything by all expectations. Sean McVay has made them into an offensive juggernaut, putting up the most points per game in the league. Then you got the Giants, who I projected winning the division, just absolutely crumpling on themselves. Yes, they lost Odell. Yes, they lost Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard. They lost their entire wide receiving core, which is not hard to, you know, to make up uh, with your depth chart, but. I mean, just to see them. I mean, their defense was good one week, one year ago, and now they're the only uh, team that could stop the Cowboys last yeah, year. Yeah, and they're now they're terrible. And now I they think, can't stop anyone. I think part of that. I mean, this kind of tends to happen in the NFL. If stuff goes bad, then it can get it can get bad, uh, can get even worse quickly, and it just gets it gets nasty quick. I mean, we can go all these teams. I mean, um, the Broncos. I mean, who ever thought that? I mean, we be we be seeing Brock Osweiler starting games. Um, the the defense looking terrible. That team is bad. I mean, the Raiders had have had struggles too, like you were saying. Uh, after you know, many people thought that they would be in the AFC Championship. the The Titans have looked bad. Granted that Mariotas have had has had a hamstring injury, but they still look terrible too. A lot of people also picked them for the AFC Championship. The NFL is a grueling gladiator sport filled with injuries, and you know, you you just never know what's going to happen in a season. So. That's why we watch it because it's uh, it's definitely probably more of a variant sport. You just don't know what's going to happen week in and week out. So it is so hard to sustain success in the National Football League. No kidding. Speaking of all those blowouts, though, man. I mean, or all those games. Like, yeah, what is up with all the blowouts? The Broncos are losing fifty-one to twenty-three. The Bucks lose thirty to ten. The Giants lose fifty-one to seventeen. Uh, I think that there's going to be some coaches fired pretty here pretty soon. I think up first is probably Ben McAdoo for the Giants. I mean, like yeah. we we're saying, start one and seven, and you're supposed to win the division, and just turn a complete disaster. I mean, I don't understand, especially because he's talking about trying to uh, bench Eli and play whatever is the their backup. It's is. not Eli's fault. It's no, not Eli's no, fault. it's not at all. All right, so that's enough. Um, that's enough stories. Let's get into some bullshit. While this is NFL related, I just can't believe I, I, I when I saw this. Um, I read this story on ESPN and it's one of those, you know, you see it. And at first you think it's like clickbait, you know, just like a fake story you see at the bottom that like, it's trying to get you to click on something fake hashtag fake news, but no, this is a real story and this is actually happening and it has happened for a long time. So players are smelling like these salt capsules on the sidelines and basically it's like this salt and like ammonia and alcohol mixture that they open and they smell it for like a few minutes. And when they do, it's like such a horrible, awful odor that according to the players, it gives them like this surge of like adrenaline boost, almost like having a cup of coffee. Um, It's apparently these things are supposed to prevent fainting, but obviously, and like, so they're like legal for them to use because like there's no other, that scientifically they, they say there's no other effects, but the players insist that it does something I mean, I just couldn't believe the story when I read it. I mean, Zeke uses it. Uh, apparently, it comes with nausea after. I mean, big players use it. So what do you guys think about this story that these, these guys are huffing salts out in the uh, football? And, like, I'm, I'm not talking about, like, one a game. I'm talking about, like, one every series. There's, like, hundreds of these things littered throughout the sideline after games. So these uh, these smelling salts, man. I mean, they've been used for a very long time. I know uh, in wrestling, boxing, uh, UFC, they all do it, uh, and now apparently all the football players are doing it. You know, it's just supposed to kind of give you kind of a buzz and wake you up. And 
uh, yeah, like you say, get your adrenaline going. I've seen them used quite frequently. I guess it, now it's they're being used a lot, a lot more, uh, particularly this season. But yeah, they've been around for a while. I personally have never done these before, but um, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, they think they think it has some kind of effect. See, I remember uh, seeing Zeke use it on the sideline a couple weeks ago, and so I actually was looking into it at the time. And the thing that I think about it is these smelling salts are, are like you said, to wake you up to, to get your head right because you've just been hitting the head very hard. That's why boxers use it. That's why wrestlers use it. And I'm pretty sure that's why football players use it. So to me, it was kind of concerning to see because of, you know, the recent news about concussions and CTE. Um, and it's just, to me, another factor showing that these players are getting repeatedly <laughs> brutalized in the head, you know, and not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but I, I don't know about the adrenaline rush. I think they're just doing it because they got knocked the fuck out and need to get back up. Yeah, that was another claim, too, is that they'd also used to help with concussions, that they would just whiff one and be able to go right away. But, I mean, it's not even, like, it's not even being used in just the NFL, even soccer players such as Landon Donovan, and it's also used in the NHL. They're all using it too. Apparently, uh, there's estimates that 70 to 80% of NFL players are using it. Like even Tom Brady, even Tom Brady, the guy doesn't eat a tomato. He won't allow tomatoes <laughs> in his house, has a no tomatoes policy. He even huffs salts and says it's like a tradition. I mean, like that one blew my <laughs> blew my mind. Yeah, that's weird. Him of all people. Guys, you're going to love these, the name, the brand names of these uh, salt tablets. You ready? <laughs> Yep. Number one, nose torque. Ooh. Num- number two, wake up, motherfucker. Five out of five. <laughs> nice. God. <laughs> wake Spe- up, motherfucker. <laughs> Speaking of pregame rituals, so Josh Gordon got reinstated in the NFL. Uh, looks like he's joining the Browns team meetings this upcoming week, and sh- they say they kind of want to have him up to speed and conditioned uh, by like week 13 or so, as estimates I've read. But he admitted in an interview that he never played a college or NFL game without either smoking or drinking hard liquor before. And is quoted as saying, even before I was getting tested for alcohol, prior to my DWI in 2014, I would take the biggest bong rip I could. So, Derek, that poses the question. What would make you perform better? Uh, uh, personally, I don't see how like smoking weed would make you perform better, particularly like in any sport and football for sure. But, uh, I don't know. I think remember back in like the intramural days, like in college, you know, there was a couple of games we had like after a barge party or, you know, something was going on. I don't remember, you know, (laughs) definitely didn't play better, but you know, I guess you play a little more loosey goosey, talk a little more shit, you know, (laughs) it's pretty fun, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, th- I think he just legitimately had a problem. I don't see any of these things helping your performance by any means. But yeah, alcohol made uh, intramural basketball definitely fun talking shit. Yeah, one time I I went to a IM basketball game and Eric and uh, Mark Liu and Siva all showed up after Abel's. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Eric took some like flagrant flop and like, and like they were giving the other guy like a flagrant for like, running into Eric, but he was just flopping like madly. And somebody on our team, Alex Melton thought that Eric was actually just like laid out and came over and tackled the guy and like a fight broke out. So definitely some of the more entertaining times uh, when you drink before, but not the best. I wanted to say one thing about Josh Gordon. You said he would take a big bong rip. Now this is an NFL wide receiver 
he has elite lung capacity. You know, he's got <laughs> he's got a lot of talent there. I feel like yes, he does. He must have been really, really high before the games. <laughs> well, what's funny is like, I mean, he literally says he's never like been on the field for a game without either drinking heavily or taking quote unquote the biggest ball rip he could. But this guy like set an NFL record. He was the first player to have back to back over two hundred yard games. Like as a receiver, that's insane. So like, I guess okay. it it must have worked a little bit. Well, the thing is, he said he would do it like when they got to go back to their house before they had to show up for the game. So we're talking probably like one to two hours before. I'm sure he wasn't like drinking so much and probably had dissipated it after a bit. But I bet he was still feeling it. I feel like it's like beer pong. You know, like one to three beers, like uh, there's a Goldilocks zone, you know, and then yeah. and then yeah, exactly, the Goldilocks zone. It's real. But that brings it's... up that brings up another question. It's like, wouldn't you have some kind of like, wouldn't you just feel like crap after if it was that uh, far ahead of the game? Like, I don't know. It just all around doesn't make that much sense to me. Maybe he's kind of like exaggerating his claims. I have no idea. But he did fail so many drug tests. I mean, I mean he's definitely not. he's got proof. I, I like the beer. I like the beer pong comparison. There's definitely a Goldilocks zone. And it doesn't last long for me. So, all right, Ben, you're you made your you've made your debut on the episode, and you know what that means. We got to get your domestic top five ranking. Bang, 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 bang. Take your time. The time at the floor is yours. All right. So I I'm gonna start at wait. Start at five. Start at five. Start at five. All right. Number okay. First of all, can I do an honorable mention? Absolutely. Honorable mention goes to the Bush Signature Copper Lager, which you would get in a tall boy had 5.8% alcohol by volume. Not the tastiest, but it would get the job done. That's called offensive efficiency. All right. Number five, uh, kind of a hot take, PBR. I enjoy it. Number four, Budweiser, classic. Number three, Coors. And I consider Coors kind of be, to be the change-up to my number two, which is Miller. That's my fastball, paint the corners. And number one, I'm going to go Ziegenbach. I think that Ziegenbach is really tasty. And you could get the Dollar Tallboys at uh, at Tap Twenty Four on Wednesdays, and that was always lit. I always liked watching uh, Pachulia Blocks and Zegan Box back in the day. So that's my number one spot. All right, so really quick, run it down one more time. Number one, Zegan Box. Number two, Miller. Number three, Coors. Number four, Budweiser. Number five, PBR. I know no one was expecting the Zegan Box, but it's a dark horse. It's kind of like the Shiner Bach that I actually like because I don't particularly enjoy Shiner. I like Ziegenbach. I wouldn't put it at number one, but I respect the pick. I like <laughs> Miller. I like Miller above Coors always. Because I think you know, Miller's the most the most like drinkable long term. Like I'm trying to drink twelve beers. Let's go Miller. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, I was definitely thrown off by the Ziegenbach at number one, but I can't hate. I uh, did like Ziegenbach, but I I don't know what you're talking about, Derek. Shiner's good. You're crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never liked it. Sorry, I don't know. It's uh... that's a flaming hot take, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> flaming cold. All right, Derek. Uh, I think that's a. I think that's about it. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. Derek, got any tips for me? All right. Well, uh, I lived in Shreveport for a while, so it was not Vegas, but they still gambled. I would recommend take full advantage of uh, getting drinks. You know, tip your uh, waitress very well. Get the keep the drinks coming, but don't go over the top, man. Because some people get wasted and start just double, doubling up their money and just making stupid bets. You know, keep it composed. Drink beer. I would avoid hard liquor. Just drink beer throughout the day. Um, and I personally do not like roulette. I would avoid roulette. I would stay on blackjack. You should win over a good amount of time, or at least stay even and what's fun to play is craps if you're new to it give it a shot because i've seen someone do like a 
uh, a fire of like four four points or something like that their first time ever playing which in vegas for like five bucks would pay you like 10 grand so uh give it a shot once and if you lose your money after a while i think you should away uh, from it. but craps is pretty fun you should bet it on on a different game every every day that you're there and if you win double down like that world series guy um <laughs> oh yeah let it ride well, I got to bet red 14. That's for sure. Of course. Of course. That Come is true. The like, let it ride guy. The guy that picked the game every time and let his money ride from game one to game six, that they were so notorious in Vegas at that point when they were walking into the casino for game seven, the, the book changed the line yeah. because this group <laughs> yeah, of people was about to I make the that. bet. Wow. And then turns out, turns out the, the pro money reported that they did not actually bet game seven because if they bet Dodgers game seven, we would have probably lost. So appreciate that, whoever those yeah. Let It Ride guys are, and go Astros. I don't think it'd be a bad idea to drop all of your money on Red 14 your first time in the casino. I've definitely considered it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the only bet that I would uh, feel confident in in the whole casino. Right. Yeah. All right, guys, anything else before we get out of here? Got a little bit of time. That's all I got. This podcast was approximately one miller for me, so cheers to that. All right. Uh, if you had the uh, if you had the over under on a point five, do you, you uh, if you had the <laughs> over, you win. All right. I just wanted to shout out my girlfriend really quick. I know she listens to the podcast. So happy birthday, Danny! So yes. for, follow us at the BBB Podcast on iTunes at the BBB Pod on Twitter. Please, people, give us some more five star reviews. I want to see those numbers up. And for Derek, for Ben, I'm Joey. See you later, folks.